I had spent probably several months building the brand for rising star Kobe Bryant. And, you know, he became, we became friends. One of the things I will say that I was really proud of is that, you know, Kobe cared about the community so much. And, you know, he went through his dark days, but he came back and supported the community. Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. Firsthand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there, and plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey, everybody, it's Jason Patria, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast. This is the podcast for people just like you who want to own your career, turn up the volume, and lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. Well, I cannot believe it. It is already February, and I am excited because February is Black History Month, so I'm encouraging all of you to make sure that you are are working towards a world of diversity and inclusion by making sure you're aware of your biases and making sure that your circle and your network is as diverse as possible. Now, we are on week four of our Lead With Your Brand Challenge. Our step today is all about keeping up your image. Now, don't worry if you have not listened to the other ones. Just go ahead in iTunes or wherever you you get your podcast so that you can listen from the first week of January. And if you go to leadwithyourbrand.com, you can download your five steps to lead with your brand as well as a worksheet for each week. So let's jump right in. This is all about keeping up your image because last week you worked on creating your five to eight supersized brand attributes, and now you have to live them every single day. Day. So I want you to start thinking about your brand filter. Well, what the heck is a brand filter? You know, in TV, we talk about a brand filter to make sure that our shows sing on brand, that week to week, you're watching a show that sings in harmony with the last episode, and that even the shows that show up on that network feel like they're siblings of one another. Well, how can you apply this to yourself? Well, it really starts with thinking about how you dress. When you think about your super brand attributes? Did you say you were a super connector? Did you say you were a first mover? Did you say you were a jet setter? Whatever your terms are, does your dress reflect those words? Now, here's the thing. You can have neutral dress, and that's fine, but you absolutely can't have dress that goes against what your brand attributes are. If you're saying that you are smart and dynamic, if you're wearing an outfit that says the complete opposite, 
you have something where you have dissonance. You want to make sure that what people see sings in harmony with what you're saying and who you are. Now, dress is simple, but it goes all the way to maintaining your workspace. You know, what does your office look like? Even in this work-from-home Zoom world, well, what does your Zoom background look like? You can't really say that you're super organized and analytical, and then we can see your unmade bed with clothing and laundry hanging out in the background. That says the opposite of what you're trying to show up as. But more importantly, this is about how you present ideas and get things done. So I want you to think about how you produce signature projects. Now, what do I mean by that? All year long, we are working on projects that we deliver at work. So I want you to make sure that every single one of those projects has your thumbprints all over it. You want every project you have to be a signature project. So when you go to leadwithyourbrand.com, you can download this week's step number four, keep up your image worksheet, and it is going to help you think about your signature projects. I want you to think about the last 18 months. What are three, four, maybe even five projects that you are proud of at work? You are these are those resume building, those portfolio filling types of projects. These are those projects that you are super proud of. Well, I want you to document that, write that down on that worksheet, then ask yourself, what is the secret sauce that connects those projects? What are the things that you did? Now, that's not just how you packaged the project. It's all the way back to how did you involve people in it? What was the unique value that you brought to it? Once you define those elements, you can create your own brand filter that you can replicate on every single project that you do. Now, I'm challenging you to think of your favorite projects, those ones that you're proud of. And once you're able to determine the repeatable steps and actions that you take to make them that way, you can apply that even to projects that might seem a little off-brand to you. Maybe there are projects that you're not that excited to do. Well, guess what? Being on brand means being able to take projects that you don't love doing and making them completely your own. That's what I mean by having a great brand filter and keeping up your image every single day. Well, I am super excited about today's guest. I have been waiting to have her on. Her name is Celeste Aline, and she is the director of Microsoft Executive Engagements. Now, she has had an amazing career at Microsoft, previously serving as the director of citizenship, public affairs, and market management for Microsoft's West Region. She's also been selected to be the U.S. citizenship lead for all of Microsoft retail stores and education. Now, prior to working at Microsoft, Celeste worked at Nike, 
which is actually where I met her, and also served for over eight years with AT&T's Pacific Region right here in Los Angeles. She also served Los Angeles former mayor Antonio Villaragosa as the Cultural Affairs Commissioner and currently serves as a board member for the Los Angeles Area Chamber of Commerce and the Greater Los Angeles African American Chambers Education Fund. We'll be back in just a few moments with Celeste Aline. For over 25 years, Jason has coached, trained, and developed thousands of leaders and executives, helping them achieve their next career breakthrough. He's a featured speaker at global conferences and companies to help everyone bring their best authentic self to work, show their value, and lead with their brand every day. Get more tips and tools at leadwithyourbrand.com. And we're back. I am super excited for our next guest. It is Celeste Aline. She's the director of Microsoft Executive Engagements. Celeste, what's going on? How are you? Jason, darling, I am fabulous. And of course, I have an opportunity to talk to you. I'm great. (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I have been dying to talk to you because you are one of my favorite people. So let's jump right in. You know, sure. for people who don't know you, when you meet someone at a cocktail party or you bump into someone on a plane, how do you explain who you are and what you do? You know, I always tell people that I am a connector, right? I build Public and private partnerships is what I do for a living. But more importantly, I like to connect people and I like to make sure that people are building relationships because that's how I have, quote unquote, built my brand throughout my entire life. It started out when I was a little girl. You know, I always felt as though no question was wrong or no question was stupid, so to speak. So I never had a problem going up to somebody that I didn't even know that well. My parents used to get a little freaked out by it. And I'd say, (laughs) I'd like to talk to you. I have some questions for you. I even used to go to so far as when I was a little girl, say, give me a kiss. And my father would say, you cannot do that. (laughs) (laughs) So you know how friendly I am. Whenever I see anyone, I always, before pre-COVID, I used to hug and kiss you, you know, and, and sometimes on both cheeks, right? That's just my who I am. I'm very warm. But more importantly, I think that is the start of building a relationship before you can get into the nitty gritty with people. Absolutely. So I love that you're saying like, this has been a part of you since you were a little girl. So I have to ask you, what did little Celeste want to be when she grew up? <laughs> Uh, it's funny you asked me that because I, you know, I often wonder what my response is, but I always tell people I always, always wanted to change the world in some way, shape or form. Mm. And I think sometimes people look at me with one eyebrow up when I say that, but it's true. I always felt as though I had a purpose. And I do know that there were so many people along my life and my career who helped me. And I am incredibly um, astute to that. But more importantly, I remember that. So I want to do the same thing for other little young black and brown and yellow children, because I feel as though somebody gave me a leg up, not somebody, some many somebodies gave me yeah. a leg up. So I want to do the same. And so I have dedicated my life to that in my work and also in my personal life. 
Oh, I love that purpose. Now, Celeste, I really, I wanted to talk to you because you have such a varied career that's all centered around your purpose, right? I mean, you work in big tech with the fabulous Microsoft as we're both on our Microsoft Surface Pros right now because that's my, my, right, my favorite device. And you've worked at, you, you know, you've worked at Nike, you've worked in telecom, you've even done roles with government. Tell me a little bit around when you look back, what are a couple of those big career breakthrough moments for you where you really just got to a new level? I was a producer programming for WBC TV in Boston. And so I produced a talk show. It used to be, it was called People Are Talking, right? And it was syndicated <laughs> across the country. And I can't tell you how many celebrities I've met throughout my career in television, but the one person that sticks out, which is hilarious to me, I to this day, we still have a laugh about it, is Little Richard. Oh my gosh, I would die. <laughs> I would just die. Oh my gosh. Okay, how did you hang out with Little Richard? Okay, so here we go, right? So I never, first of all, I never thought he would agree to come on the show, but he agreed to come on the show. And at the time, Tanya Hart, the woman who gave me my first job in TV, was co-host with, drumroll please, Tom Bergeron, okay? Uh, Dancing with the Stars, Tom Bergeron. So Tom and Tanya, they're just crazy anyway, uh, <laughs> fun to, to work with. So little Richard comes on, we, we've done all our research, you know, I'm in, <laughs> I'm in the studio, we're counting down, little Richard comes prancing in and all his regalia, and he sits down, and he proceeds to take over the interview. All right. So Tanya and Phil, they're sitting with their mouths open because the stories he's sharing are just unbelievable. But more importantly, after each pause, he would go, ah! you know, the signature. And Tanya and Tom could not keep it together. I swear to God, these are two professional people who just, they, they were like little kids. Right. Uh, to the point where I had to like go to an early commercial break, <laughs> come in and say to them, you have got to get yourselves together. <laughs> We're doing an interview here. And of course, little Rich is still ta- is talking at the same time. I'm trying to talk to them. Right. Of course. I go, little Richard, I love you. But sweetie, can you just put a plug in it for a minute? <laughs> I get these folks together. So they got their composure together to ask him a few questions. And then, you know what? Bottom line is I said into the microphone to the, to the cameraman, just let him go. Just let him go. So he proceeded to, to do the interview himself, right? <laughs> he didn't really, they didn't really have to ask him any questions. Can I tell you that was the number one rated show of the entire time I was at People Are Talking? But, you know, that gave me a good lesson in people. And that is you have to be your authentic self. You have to let people be. And sometimes in your career, all the instructions, all the rules and regulations just kind of go out, the dra- out yeah. the, down the drain, right? Out, go out the window, down the drain, however you want to say it. You just have to just go with it. And he was incredibly, if, if I can say anything about him, and he dealt with a lot of racism in his time. Yeah. You know, the record label stole a lot of money from him. If he was Little Richard in this day and time, 
he would probably be bigger than Beyonce because he would just had that kind of personality and that talent. And he didn't have the right people around him to support him. But, you know, he was a, his authentic self. And that, to me, was a really great lesson learned. So, so what are some other big career breakthrough moments for you? I love what I do at Microsoft and I've been able to do so much for the community in terms of, you know, managing and supporting the digital divide that we have. And more than ever right now with COVID, the digital divide, unfortunately, is growing even wider. But one of the things that our, you know, one of our presidents, our U.S. president recognized was that we had to get our own act together internally before we can do more externally. And so she chose uh, two advisors to help her transform the company culturally. And she chose me (laughs) as one of her advisors. I was the um, woman, a black woman, and she chose another gentleman who is my one of my dearest friends and who is um, a Latino male in the company. And the two of us together, she said, basically, I don't know what it is. But I need you guys to figure out something to bring our employees together and our communities together and make sure that we are culturally supporting each other throughout the company so that we can give back to the community and better yet, give back to our customers and our partners. But I say that to say one of the lessons that we learned was through traveling with her. And so before we were to actually present, what our idea was, we traveled with her on her private jet down to Montgomery, Alabama. Now, Jason, you know me. I am a diva. (laughs) I am from Boston, Massachusetts, and I have spent most of my adult life and career in Los Angeles and in California, right? I haven't, the furthest south I'd ever been was Atlanta, Georgia. I'd never been to Montgomery, Alabama. And so I had done my research and I had read Brian's book, Mercy. And so I knew who I was going to meet and I was, you know, thrilled about that. But I will tell you that I was very fearful because I don't know the South and I had heard so much about Montgomery, Alabama, slavery and lynchings and all that goes with it and all that my people have gone through. And so I was, I had a heavy heart, you know, because I was with my president, Kate Johnson and her leadership team who were all white. The one African-American president who is actually from Montgomery, Alabama has, was already down there visiting her family um, and so, you know, Jose and I both looked at each other, my other, my partner and advisor and I looked at each other and we were like, Ooh, we're going to Montgomery, Alabama. Okay. Let's see how this goes. It was interesting because spending time with Brian Stevenson just again, opened my eyes to so much understanding the importance of empathy and how to put that empathy into action. But more importantly, what our people had gone through and the things that he does. I call him a saint, a living saint on earth. So 
we, after uh, we were supposed to spend only a half hour with him, we spent almost an hour and a half with him. And then we took a tour through his memorial, the Equal Justice Memorial. And that was, um, I was in tears. There, a lot of people were in tears. I mean, I didn't show my tears, but I felt it. And there was this huge heaviness on me for most of the day. And Jose knew it, you know, I mean, it, it, it's hard to explain as, as a woman of color, as a black woman in this country and all that is going on. There, as we can see from past incidents and most recent incidents, some things have changed and some things haven't. And mm-hmm. so I took all of that back into my meeting and I had to present on what my our ideas were for culturally transforming our company, one of the top companies, not in the country, but in the world. And so that was a heaviness that I felt. And to be able to sort of power through that and to be able to share that with all those emotions, I'll tell you, I came home that weekend and I curled up into a ball. And that's when it finally hit me that all that pain that my ancestors had been through And I was carrying that, right? I was feeling that, but I had the strength to be able to get through that and be adult and be professional. But it was a lesson for me in that how much inner strength I have, right? And we all have that, right? We all can sort of go to that well, but it's also important not to be in touch with those feelings, right? I really needed to let that out and let that go. And I did that that weekend, but I'll tell you, it was not, it was not, not easy. It's something that still touches me to today. And then, you know, having seen his movie and, and again, have an opportunity to speak to him, speak with him. He actually came back, Brian Stevenson came back to Microsoft and spoke in front of 8,000 of our employees and sort of told his tale. And, (laughs) and then I had this, my colleague and I had to speak as well in front of those 8,000 people. So that, that year between visiting him and meeting him and then having to speak after him in front of our employee base was a lot, but it showed me how much inner strength I have and that I will tell people there's nothing you can't do, right? If you believe in yourself, And if you do your research, but more importantly, you know, be your authentic self. So that's another lesson in being authentic and being open. Absolutely. And so I know you talked a little bit about your brand right up at the top, right? Around relationships and, and, and your purpose. But I just, I, I'm so inspired by your story of your trip to Montgomery and just where we are as a, as a country right now, right? How, how is it as a, a woman, an executive of color, right? How do you balance that authenticity with, with an executive brand? And, and how did that experience maybe shape some of that for you? Because you said it was so important for you to, to let some of that go. Yeah. Well, you know, I'll be honest, um, it has not always been easy. There have been times where I've had to, I call it covering where I pretend that, you know, I'm somebody that I'm not, or that I pretend that I don't come out with, you know, up until like a couple of years ago, you know, I always straightened my hair. 
right? And I remember one executive who was a friend, a friend and sponsor, said to me, "You know, so let's why don't you why don't just let your hair go, right?" And and I said, "Oh, I don't think so." So you know, nowadays within our company, you will see more and more black women and black men you know, letting their hair be natural and be more who they are and to be able to share who they are. So I think I finally got to a point where more and more senior executives uh, having that relationship with them and understanding that they would accept me for who I am because I am smart, I have experience, I have background, they know that they can count on me. They know that I can support, you know, the work that they're doing and make them even better. Yeah. That I have started to, <laughs> no pun intended, let my hair down, you know? <laughs> Literally, right? <laughs> and so um, I think that has evolved over time, Jason, but it wasn't always the case. And I think we're getting better at that. I think more and more Black people within corporate America are um, letting their hair down, but more importantly, feeling comfortable doing that because of the relationships they've built with their colleagues and with their peers and with their staffs. It's who we are. And we should be allowed to be our authentic self. You know, I don't, when I walk in the door of Microsoft, I am still black, right? And you're going to see that. So I want to have myself and others applaud that, but more importantly, allow that, right? And it's the same goes for my Latino brothers and sisters. You know, Jose will always say, it's my accent that I've always been fearful of, you know? And it's like, no, it's okay. You're still a smart human being. Yeah. Let that accent be you, right? Absolutely. And and certainly executives like yourself being your authentic self helps give permission to, you know, the thousands and thousands of uh, of of workers in in all of these great corporations. You talked all about relationship, right? And and so tell me how you would describe your brand as an executive. What are three words that that you would use or other people would use to describe Celeste? Sorrow. Mm follow through and consummate networker. Yes. I never stop networking. And like I said to you before, that's not just at the senior levels. That's at all levels of this company. I love to mentor. I believe that there are a lot of our young, new Microsofties and what we call aspire groups, which is the, the folks who are coming in from college who are taking their first positions at Microsoft. They have a lot to offer to us. And so I learn at all levels. Yeah. And so, you know, I feel that one of the number one things that people come and ask me advice on is networking and building relationships, Mm -hmm. right? Many people are very challenged with this, even when they're senior in their career. What are a couple of tips that you have for like, not just building a network, but like really nurturing it? Well, I think it's most important is don't be afraid to ask questions. First of all, you know, think about where you want to be in your career. Think about what excites you, what makes you happy, right? And then figure out the combination of questions that you want to ask. And maybe even write down maybe four or five people that you should meet within a year 
right? And make time. You know, I think it's just a lot of people say, oh, I don't have time to talk to anybody. Well, I don't have time to talk to anybody either, but there's, I still get uh, excited about having a conversation with people who are curious about the work that I do, who have no idea what direction they want to take, or they just want to learn about a certain field. And so I think if you are uh, kind and you are thoughtful and you've done your research and you don't take up too much time, I mean, what's 15 minutes, 30 minutes, really? If you say to somebody, I want 30 minutes of your time, tell me what's the good date for you. And, you know, back in the day, you could say to somebody, I'll take you for a coffee, right? A free coffee. (laughs) That was always lovely. But now I think if you can do a virtual 15 minutes with somebody, I think people are willing and supportive and will often say yes, right? And if they say no, keep moving, keep it moving, keep asking, right? I have never been turned down. By people, I don't waste people's time. So I show up on time. If they say they're going to give me a certain 15 minutes, I show up early. I'm always early. I can't, that's my pet peeve. And I'll <laughs> tell anybody, I'll tell a senior leader and I will tell, you know, someone on my team, please don't show up late because that really makes me feel as though you don't respect my time, right? I respect your time. So please respect mine. So show up early, carve out the questions you want to ask. And be respectful and say, thank you. Send a little thank you note. You know, nowadays we used to be able to, I used to love writing those handwritten thank you notes. Yeah. And my friends will tell you, God, here is another note from Celeste, but I love <laughs> doing that, right? And if you can't write, you know, if you feel fearful of going to the post office or the mailbox, whatever, send a little email. Yeah. And I, I love what you're saying because it's really all about, you know, how do you honor the gift that someone's giving you with that thoroughness? And I just love this notion of you just don't get what you don't ask for, right? So like, what's the harm in in asking? I love that I'm hearing the whole thoroughness part of your brand coming through. Talk to us a little bit about that. How do you show up as thorough as an executive leader? Um, again, I think it goes back to that research. Um, you know, first of all, <laughs> with LinkedIn, which is one of our products and the companies that we own, there is absolutely no excuse for not knowing something about anybody, right? Yeah. Um, and the internet is at our fingertips. So, and everybody has a phone. So, you can't tell me that you don't know something about somebody with all the social media outlets that are available to you. So know something about a person, uh, right? And do your research and then know who you are, Mm. right? Make a, do an, a personal inventory because some people will come to you and they're all over the place, right? I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do this. You can't do all that, right? It's not, it's craziness. So start whittling down where you want to go and what you love. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's another thing. And then the third thing is just be pleasant, right? Just be kind, right? Especially one of the things that I have learned and probably the biggest lessons I've learned during COVID is the having patience and being kind to one another. We are all, I don't care how wealthy you are, I don't care how poor you are, we are all experienced 
and I hate that word. I can't say it anymore. Unprecedented. Oh my God. (laughs) We have all experienced a really tough time. And so being patient with somebody and having empathy and just being kind are things that are free. And so I don't care who you are. If you don't have those, I don't want to be around you. (laughs) And tell me a little bit about your time at Nike. I know you've got some good stories that you want to share. (laughs) Oh, boy. Yes, Nike. Um, That's where we met, right? Yeah, I think so. so. One hit wonder Um, and all of that stuff. (laughs) It was a pretty, pretty, what I call a heady time for someone because I was a pretty young executive at at Nike and I um, was in charge of all sport PR. So that meant I had some of the the, uh, more senior athletes that I dealt with in developing their brand, promoting their brand and supporting them under the Nike umbrella. So I had, you know, LeBron James, I had Kobe Bryant, I had Serena Williams, I had Lance Armstrong, the list goes on and on. But one episode, I would say, that sticks out in my mind, and it was probably one of the toughest situations for me in my career, was that I had spent probably several months building the brand for rising star Kobe Bryant. And, you know, he became, we became friends. He even worked out at Gold's Gym where I worked out at. And I spent a lot of time with him and his team and our marketing team, our PR team, and also the uh, basketball team. We were all one unit. And I remember I hadn't had a day off in probably, uh, probably a couple of months. So, you know, at Nike, you work 24-7. You work weekends, you were always traveling. And I remember taking the 4th of July off because I had gotten a a beautiful new condo. And I was so proud of having (laughs) this condo that had like almost a 360 view of of downtown Portland. And I bought a barbecue grill. So I was going to have a few friends over. And that morning, uh, I remember it vividly at 7.30 a.m. in the morning, I received a call from AP Wire Service. And that was when the news broke of the situation with Kobe, unfortunately, and him being in Colorado and having a certain relationship with a young woman. It was tough because it was 730 in the morning. I had nothing to share with them. And I had to say to them, I will call you back. At which point um, I called my boss and created a statement. And I spent the rest of my uh, 4th of July (laughs) <laughs> on the phone with media, I had to tell my friends, you can come over and stay on the on the deck if you want to and barbecue, but I can't participate with you. It was a very tough moment in my career. I remember I was so pained by it because he, not only did he hurt his career, he hurt the careers of, of all of my colleagues and myself. We wanted to support him. We wanted, you know, Nike is was wonderful in that they never let an athlete down and never let an athlete go until they knew exactly what the true story was. So our statement back to the community and to media was that we will stand by him until, you know, he is proven guilty or if there, whatever the issue is, we will stand by him. And so it was tough. It was very, very tough. And I watched, you know, himself and his family 
and our teams go through a lot of pain. And one of the things I will say that I was really proud of is that, you know, Kobe cared about the community so much. And, you know, he went through his dark days, but he came back and supported the community. And I remember opening, doing some work where we opened the first Nike Go play field in South Los Angeles. And he broke ground with me. And that was sort of the beginning stages of him coming back and building back his his brand and his career. So that's a story that I tell because it shows you that you can, we, we all falter, we're all human, and we can go to our lowest low. But we can also come back by going inward, understanding who we are, and creating an opening for doing good. And so for Kobe, it was the community. And as you can see, people absolutely adored him. No one remembered that situation when he, when we unfortunately lost him a year ago. And I will tell you, that was very hard for me and my, some of my colleagues who were still at Nike. I remember, you know, my best friend, I had just walked out of yoga. My best friend called me and said, did you hear about Kobe? You know, it's like, I just came out of yoga. No, I didn't. She goes, are you sitting down? And I said, well, give me a moment. And I got to my car and I got in my car and she said, we just lost Kobe. And I thought she was, I don't know what I thought. My brain just went to some kind of weird numbness because I couldn't, I just couldn't understand. I didn't understand what had happened. I turned on the news and I listened and I actually could not drive my car away, Jason. I, I had to, I sat there for a good half hour before I could actually drive myself home. You lost a beautiful soul way too early, but people remember him by the good that he did and the kindness that he showed others. And so I, you know, I, I say that to say that we all have a, can be a comeback. But again, we have to understand who we really are and we have to pay attention to the importance of others and doing good for others. And I think that's why people love Kobe so much, because he pulled himself out of those dark ages or that, those dark days and dedicated himself to doing good for his community and for his family and for his team. So just some final quick questions here. We're talking all about brands as a consumer, what is your favorite brand? What are you obsessed with? What can you not live without? <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Well, you know, I'm a foodie, right? So yes, of course. I mean, you've been on the food network. Hello. I swear to God, if I was on a desert Island, I have to have my Louis Vuitton. I am a Louis girl. I am vintage Louis. I'm everything Louis. And I'll give a shout out to the Louis Vuitton store in Las Vegas because I walk in there, they remember me, they remember everything that I've ever purchased, and they treat me like royalty. If you were a type of car, what type of car would you be? I love BMW. I'm a BMW girl. Why are you a BMW? Because when they <laughs> they live up to their brand, when they say they are the best driving machine, they are. And finally, what is the best career advice that you'd like to pass on to our listeners? Always enjoy what you do. Always give back and always do your research. 
Well, Celeste, thank you so much for giving back to us with all of this fabulous advice. It was awesome talking to you. And Jason, you know, I adore you. So thank you for the opportunity and good luck with your your show. I'm so honored to be here with you today. And I look forward to seeing you when I can give you a real hug. (laughs) Exactly. Hugs and kisses post-COVID. Exactly. Thank you, my friend. And we'll be back in just a few moments with my final thoughts. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. Well, I don't know about you, but I could listen to Celeste all day long. What amazing stories and what an amazing career. But you know what really jumped out at me was the fact that everything for Celeste revolves around relationships. And you know what? At the end of the day, leading with your brand is all about managing your brand through relationships. It's all about the experiences that you have with people individually. So I want you to take stock. What are you doing to advance your relationships? How are you reaching out to people? How are you staying connected, especially in this COVID work from home world? What are one or two things that you can do to build some new relationships? And more importantly, how can you reach out and maintain and grow and foster those relationships that you've had over the years? Now, I want you to think about keeping up your image with those relationships because that is step number four of the Lead With Your Brand New Year Challenge. Make sure you visit leadwithyourbrand.com so that you can download your Keep Up Your Image worksheet or any of our other worksheets that we started back in January. Well, that's the show this week. We'll be back next week with another amazing guest. But in the meantime, if you loved what you heard, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. And of course, I'd love a rating and review. Make sure to follow me on social media. I'm at Jason Patria on all platforms. And check me out on LinkedIn, where I share all of my lead with your brand tips every single week. And remember, in your career, don't be a commodity like coffee. Make sure that you're a super premium brand like Starbucks. You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.